C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we are joined by a return and very esteemed guest, Emily Hudson. Hi, Emily. Hello. Uh, so for those of you who might remember, Emily is a Pilates and gyrotonic teacher who lives in and business owner who lives in Wilmington, North Carolina. And today she is coming on to share a super personal story with us um, about her recent experience with her church um, in Wilmington. And if you listeners are like, hey, why are you guys talking so much about religion? I will tell you, um, after we shared Terrence's story about his journey uh, to leave the Mormon church, we got a huge response, and Emily was one of the people who reached out and wanted to tell her story, Um, and a lot of it was about some of the issues uh, that millennials faced with the organized form of Christianity. Uh, So we wanted to bring some more people on to tell their story. Um, So this week we have Emily, who's going to talk about being asked to leave her church. Um, And then, and I think not next week, but the week week after, we'll have the Reverend Erin Shanks, who is a Episcopalian priest on to talk about her experience as a woman in the church. Um, You hear a lot about how millennials are leaving organized religion at this like incredible rate. And that's because, uh, and I just looked all this up, people, I feel like I'm very with it, but I literally like 10 <laughs> minutes ago. So hashtag camp adulthood. Um, so, but I thought this was really interesting. In 1986, uh, only 10% of the young population, so let's say people ages 18 to 40, um, didn't affiliate with a religion. And now 35% of Americans identify themselves as nunsters. So this is means that they are not affiliated with a church or they identify as atheist or agnostic. However, I think this doesn't address the 65% of our young people who are Yeah, I was going to say the most surprising thing there is that the majority of people are religious. I think that might exactly. come as a shock to some people. Exactly. So I think that's why it's so important to talk about this. And I know in my own personal faith journey, you know, I've kind of swung both ways, was raised very Catholic. And now I'm, you know, I'm interested in exploring my faith as a Christian again, but I don't even know where to begin, particularly as someone who is liberal. And I think a church for me would have to check a lot of boxes. So um, anyway, that's kind of Two before we begin, I think that was a great intro for what we're doing. And if more people want to share either, you know, maybe a more longer story that would warrant you coming on the podcast or even just small anecdotes, if you want to email us, hello at campadulthood.com. You can also reach out on social media at camp underscore adulthood. We would love to add more voices even outside of the Christian faith specifically. I know we've had a couple Jewish guests that have come on that have shared um, there are stories that have maybe been a little bit more um, positive. So we have that, but really anyone that's interested. Um, I would also just as a short plug, 
I thought it was really fortuitous this week that we were um, talking about this and kind of doing this three-part series with Terrence, Emily, and then Aaron coming on. Um, the most recent episode of the Guys We Fuck podcast, they had, if you guys are familiar with the um, movie Mean Girls, the actor that plays Damien, the gay friend of the main girl, oh, yes. um, he's actually very outspoken as someone who is religious and also identifies as gay. And he came on the podcast to talk about that experience and how he kind of marries um you know, being true to himself as a gay man and also practicing within an organized religion. So I'll link to that in the show notes because I think um, it might be a good, uh, you know, different, interesting perspective after listening to Terrence's episode and maybe some of the things that Emily's going to say about someone who has worked really hard to make the church experience their own and found a community um, that really accepts them. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say before we dive in. All right, Emily. So, uh, Emily has shared her story with us in writing, so we're just going to let her, if you're comfortable, take take off and just tell it in <laughs> your own words. And if anything comes up, we'll just ask you some questions. So if you can maybe start by telling us, you know, kind of your faith journey throughout okay. your life that brought you to this particular uh, institution in your town. Okay. Yeah. So I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, born and raised here, uh, was born into, I wouldn't say just a religious family, but a spiritual family as well. I think that there's a distinction there between just being religious and being spiritual. And I do feel as though I was raised in a house that was both. Um, but, uh, North Carolina is in the South. So um, while we didn't go to a Baptist church, I grew up Presbyterian. And we went to a private Christian school all through elementary school and middle school because my mom was a teacher there in the preschool. So for elementary and middle school, we pretty much, it felt like we went to church six days a week because we were at the school. And then on Sundays, we went to that, that same church that was Mm -hmm. affiliated with the school. So all through like early childhood and into middle school, um, was just very heavily, heavily involved in the Presbyterian church here one of the Presbyterian churches here in Wilmington. Um, And it was so funny because uh, after we graduated eighth grade, they were going to start high school. And so they were like, do you guys want to be the first ninth grade class? And I was like, hell no, get me out of here. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh, I've been with these same people for like all of my childhood. I was very, very ready to like, go to public school, you know, meet new people, try explore new things and all of that. So I ended up going to a public high school and um, had a great public high school experience, but like I definitely wasn't involved in church as much as I was, obviously. Um, but I was still, I still, and still today, you know, considered myself a Christian, even though I did, you know, some partying and I tried some things in high school as high school kids do. Um, and I started going to a church that was 
meeting in a middle school auditorium. And this is when you were and in high school, right? This or, was okay. when I was in high school, right? And um, that was kind of like the cool church, you know, like that's where all of the young people were going. That's where all the college kids were going. Yeah, and scandal. <laughs> yeah, like my, my parents were just happy that I was going to a church, right? Like it didn't matter that I wasn't going to their church anymore. They were just happy that I was going to to a church. So I sort of like went to this church in this middle school auditorium through high school. And then, and that circles back into this, the later part of the story. So that's an important detail. Um, so I graduate, I go to college and really didn't associate with any kind of religious organization while I was in college. I was doing the college thing. I was really dedicated to my classes. I was dating Jason, who's my now husband, um, and uh, would still consider myself a spiritual person, but was not affiliated, again, with a religious organization through college. So then, you know, Jason and I get married, and we start having kids, and that's pretty much when most people are like, oh, now we have to find a church because we have kids. We got to take them somewhere. Can't have them be just little heathens. <laughs> Can't have them be just little heathens. So being raised Presbyterian while we were in Cleveland, um, I was looking at Presbyterian churches. And we actually found a really nice, lovely uh, Presbyterian church in Cleveland mm -hmm. um, that we really enjoyed. And probably if we still lived in Cleveland, would be there. I don't know, like that we didn't have a negative experience there at all. But we uh, wanted to move home because you start having kids and you miss your mom. And Wilmington is my hometown and Cleveland is very far away mm -hmm. from Wilmington. So in 2011, we moved back home. So in 2011, that little church that started in the middle school auditorium had exploded, like completely exploded and would now be considered what uh, most people would call a mega church. And I think just to jump in before you continue with the story, Emily, I think to bring it back to the theme of the pod, this is something that right around that time happened to so many churches, the mega church oh, yeah. kind of phenomenon in the mid aughts to, you know, present times, even you see it with celebrities like Hillsong is a big one in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. That's super popular. Um, but I don't remember when I was growing up, like in the nineties, early two thousands, that these mega churches were as influential like they there was always kind of like the televangelist but I think part of it was maybe getting young people young professionals high schoolers um you know people that were your age people with young kids to join they made it kind of hip and cool and so I think that's totally a millennial thing I don't know if you guys feel the same yeah I think it's I mean I think it definitely depends on where you were in the country I think it's still somewhat slow in the Midwest to, I mean, I guess, although now it's really, it's taken off. You can find mega churches almost anywhere. Yeah. Or even like the um, online presence. Yeah, like I, I know Hillsong streams everywhere. And there's, I know people in Michigan that like, they think it's cool that I live in New York because Hillsong is in New York. And they're like, oh my God, you could go to the services. And I'm like, it's not for me, but I see why it's popular with people. So anyways, sorry, I didn't mean to cut Emily off, but I just thought that that reading her story that she sent, online to kind of prep Shay and I um, via email, that was something that stuck out to me was that change from the small church that you were used to, to kind of this mega church phenomenon. Yeah. And I think also to just note that 
um, something that I wanted to make sure to mention in this week's episode is there's this theme that we come back to over and over again that millennials are striving for community and they're searching for community and they often are falling short. So again, it's no surprise that these small self-created Christian communities outside of traditional denominations exploded. Mm-hmm. All right, go yeah. on, Emily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because it is like a millennial thing for sure. Like going to a mega church. I, I don't think I know one person who hasn't a- attended at least one mega church service because uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was so funny. He's like, I faked Easter. <laughs> I just, he's like, I just wanted to go to a nice big air conditioned room and drop my kid off for an hour. And I sat in the back and listened to a podcast. Like, oh no. And it was awesome. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Cause they give me a free coffee. They take my kid. <laughs> like, why wouldn't you go there? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I think um, a little piece of the the story that I uh, accidentally left out is my my husband and I got married in 2008. So this was before we moved back home to Wilmington. And the pastor of that church, the head pastor of that church, he married Jason and I. Wow. We did pre we did some a little bit of pre-marriage counseling with him. Um, he knew my family. He knows my family. So it wasn't um, one of these things where I wasn't familiar with the head pastor of this church. Like he knew who I was. He married Jason and I like there were a lot of like personal connections to this church other than um, I just enjoyed going there. Right. Like there was a deeper there was a deeper level of connection there. So anyway, he marries us. We start having kids. We want to move home. So we move home in 2011. And this little church that started in the auditorium, um, the pastor that married my my husband and I, this church is now like gigantic. And it's this completely different experience. But you, sorry, Emily, give us an idea of like, it went from X number of people to how many people? Oh, okay. Well, I it mean, can be a ballpark say, figure. I would say like, in that little, in the auditorium, in the middle school auditorium, I would say the max number of people I ever saw in attendance there would have maybe been like 200 people. Okay. Okay. Um, maybe a little bit more on like the holidays, mm-hmm. but you know, that slowly grew. They grew out of that. They eventually moved into a movie theater at one point while I was gone. Um, I wasn't around for that phase of the church at that time. Um, but now they're, they've got like this huge facility and I'm pretty sure that at anywhere from three to 5,000 people a Sunday wow. go go through in the main campus, right? So they now they have multiple locations. So it's not just the one church here in Wilmington. They have one over in Leland. They have one in New Bern. They have one in Jacksonville. So now they have all these satellite locations as well. And they just like stream this, um, the message, the pastor um, through streaming and online. Um, but anyway, we... Obviously, we started attending there when we moved home. Um, I wanted to get connected, and so I started volunteering in the kids' care, uh, leading worship, air quotes, for the the four-year-olds, because leading worship for four-year-olds is really just managing chaos, but (laughs) it's 
it was fun. It was easy. With my music therapy background, I could handle it and I enjoyed it. It was low key. And I did that for, I want to say a couple of years. And, um, everybody kept encouraging me. They were like, you should audition for the worship team. You should audition for the worship team. Um, and I was really scared and nervous to do that because like mega churches are mega churches for a reason. Like it's, it's a stage and there are lights and there are sound people and there's production. And, and when I you was say like, worship team, what is that? Like, is that part of oh, like preaching okay. to people or is that like the choir? Like, what is that? That's, that's the band that okay. leads the singing before the pastor comes out and gives the message. So worship team is the drummer and the guitarist and the bass player and the singers. Okay, like so it's whoever like a band. makes it's a band. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a band. There's no like traditional choir or anything like that. So um, I was really nervous to do that because it just felt like too much. I was pretty happy in my little four year old. <laughs> four-year-old room. Um, but people were encouraging me to do it. And I finally was like, okay, I, I know that I have the vocal ability to do this. Like, I'm not going to let my fear get in the way. So I auditioned and I got on the team and I started doing a lot of, they, they kind of like baby step you into it. Right. So I just did a lot of background vocals for a couple of months. They didn't give me any like songs to actually lead, um, which was fine. I feel very comfortable doing background vocals. It's not a difficult thing for me. Pretty easy. So I did that for a while and then slowly they start giving you songs to lead. And, um, I ended up really, I ended up really, really, uh, enjoying it. Um, but to, to, to try and keep this a little bit more concise and get to the questions, I'm going to fast forward to like when it all fell apart, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So you're singing in the choir, you're loving the choir, you're part of this church, and then some things start to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd been on the team for almost three years. So I'd been on the team for about two and a half years. Um, I never, I don't want to say like, I felt to to say that I really felt like I was a part of the worship team community would not be would not be true. Um, even in the two and a half years, almost three years that I was on that team, I never really felt like I fit in. There was definitely like a culture around the worship team, and I always felt just on the outside. Was it kind and, of clicky, and you didn't oh, feel like you belonged? Totally. <laughs> It was very, very clicky. Even though people tried to pretend like it wasn't that way, it definitely was. Um, but, you know, it's not like people went out of their way to be mean to me. Nobody went out of their way to be mean to me. But it, I just never really felt like I, I fit in. But everyone well, was nice. <laughs> and I think this is a very important distinction because this is a story that I feel like I've heard time and time again from friends who have been in and out of these types of churches or even smaller ones where it's like, well, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, yeah. but I wasn't part of the group. It wasn't that people were necessarily mean to me, but then much like the story you're about to tell, I'd find myself being edged out of the organization. Yeah. That, yeah, very much so. So, um, when it all really started to unravel was right before the holidays in 2017, and the director at that time, the music director, was 
very suddenly fired and not in a very nice way. <laughs> and was this like a paid position or was this person a fellow volunteer? No, this person was um, on staff. On so staff, they, this was their job. They were getting their full, paid. Their okay. full time job. <laughs> As you like to and, say, it's like you're a full time Christian. Like you yeah. get paid to be a full time. Right. Do you staff. know, or does it say on their website what his? I'm just curious. Um, what the his uh, salary is the word I'm looking for. I don't think that his individual salary would be there, but like if you go on the website, they post their budget. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. I'm like fascinated <laughs> by this. <laughs> I always yeah. remember in church having to like sit through like this, re- the like budget day and it was like budget the worst. Surgeon. Yeah, it's the but worst. <laughs> I just want to note this right now. So this church, their total income is for 2018 was $8,347,637.66. And that's all from donations, right? Uh, I think so. General income. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else they would be making money other than people tithing. I guess, too, while we're on this topic, like, before we move on with your story, Emily, I know this was something that's big in the Mormon community that Terrence talked about. Was there an expectation of giving a certain percentage of your income, or was it kind of give as you want kind of thing like I grew up Catholic and it was very like they have kind of rules around it but the church that I went to that um you know when I was going through like my first holy communion and stuff it was not as strict as maybe some other places so I'm just curious Mm -hmm. as to that aspect like was there anything that you felt was influential about the financial aspect or anything that made you feel uneasy or anything honestly when it comes to that I have to say I have to say no they really, they really weren't super pushy with the, you have to give 10%, mm-hmm. you know, you're, if you're not giving 10%, you're not being faithful, you're not trusting God, you know, they would, they, they didn't do that. Um, and, but I mean, they still had the, the giving sermon and they still had the tithing sermon every now and then. Right. I feel um, like any organized religion like, has a donation tithing aspect to it. It's just I mean, some are more heck, pushy yeah. than others. Those that worship at the altar of you know, NPR have our, <laughs> you know, right. Tithing right. But yeah, sermons. I never felt like they were super like aggressive about it yeah. or anything like that. Um, and how did you feel? Sorry. I have one more question before you <laughs> no, we get fine. it. I feel like we're getting into like the meaty portion of your story and I want you to be able to <laughs> tell that without getting interrupted. But, um, it's interesting, like your story up until this point, talking about being in the community and volunteering and doing the stuff that if it was, you know, a community center instead of a church, you know, these are all similar things. Like you were in a band, you were helping out with the four-year-olds and stuff. How did you feel outside of that aspect of this is obviously a big organization that has a huge budget. They're doing a lot of extracurricular stuff. Did you feel like spiritually connected to it? Like I always wonder with these mega churches, like how much time there is for actual introspection and the spiritual part of it, or if it was more so the community aspect and having your kids there and your husband and stuff like that. Like, how did you feel? I'm just curious about that aspect. No, I think that's a really, I think that's a really good question. And I think that, um, uh, this particular church that I'm talking about is, is a little bit, is a little bit different from, I think other people's mega churches experience in that, um, the head pastor of this church is 
even though I feel like so hurt <laughs> um, by this person, he's a great teacher. He was a great teacher. And I felt like I learned so much from his sermons, which is why I get so upset when I talk about it, because like, I can't go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what kept me coming back is I felt like I felt very connected to that pastor and the things that he had to say. And I thought he was so wise. And like, I, I really thought that he was like this amazing spiritual teacher. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that, like, I did feel very spiritually fed at that church. I did not feel the community aspect, right. yeah. which is like the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have a similar experience to what you have, which is why this is such a powerful story to tell and to share with people, because I think you're right, it is the opposite for a lot of people, but I think if it was just the community, people wouldn't keep coming back. Like you have to have that spiritual aspect. Yes. And yeah, I think it is kind of reverse of what people think of like, oh, well, people are only going to these mega churches because they would have joined the community center if there was one. But really, right. there is that strong spiritual component. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not just about the free coffee. Right. <laughs> So to free like, coffee is the free coffee is very nice. <laughs> that is one thing I wish they had had more of in the Catholic Church. They would not oh, give yeah. you the free coffee we or had donuts until... one time per yeah. month. Once a month, yeah. we had donut holes, not even whole donuts. <laughs> Just nubbins, donut nubbins. This is oh, young yeah. Maddie. This is seared in my memory that it was like a big deal, like the once a Sunday that they had like the donut like coffee day or whatever. I can't. Um, okay, so to yeah. get back to your story, Emily, so, yeah, yeah. so you the, uh, had been there for three years doing the worship team. And the worship director, or not the work, he was, his title was the music, music director, director yeah. um, was very suddenly fired. Now, I guess other people would tell you that it didn't feel sudden to them, but to me, and I know to other people that were on the team at that time, it felt very, very sudden and it felt very, very abrupt. Nobody had been prepared for it. Um, he was scheduled to play on the team that Sunday and they fired him on Thursday. Wow. Suspicious. So suspicious. Yeah. Like what, what, it, what the hell is going on here? And, and, you know, I had mentioned before that I, never really felt like super connected to the team, but the, the music director, I did feel connected to. Um, I felt like he was one of the few people that encouraged me, um, wanted me to be there. Uh, there were a lot of female worship leaders and it was told to me many times that there were too many and that people didn't want me there. But, Interesting. Um, okay. Yes, exactly. Um, but he did, and he fought for me to be there and kept putting me up for, for songs and, like, was, and not just, like, encouraging me as a worship leader, but I felt like he, what about my family, you know, like, how listen, or the boys, you know, like, just really, like, invested in my 
in my person, not just in my ability to lead a song. So when he got fired, I was very upset. And I... Did you ever figure out why he was fired or is it still a mystery to this day? It's still kind of a mystery. Like I've... So I uh, reached out to, at that time, who the the pastor of worship. So the pastor of worship and the director of music are two different jobs. They're both a lot of layers to this bureaucracy. It's a lot of layers to this bureaucracy. Yes, exactly. Interesting fact, the pastor of worship at that time is no longer at this church. Mm. He, he resigned Mm. like recently. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) So anyway, I write to the, the, the pastor of worship. And I'm like, and I let him know, and this is the first time in like three years that I'm speaking up that I'm upset. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, I don't understand why this happened. I'm very upset about it. And I would really like an explanation. This is not cool. Yeah. And so he was like, I would, I, I totally understand. I want, I want to talk to you about it. And so we got on a phone call and (laughs) Here's the thing, like people that have been in organized religion for a really long time, I really feel they are very good at talking a lot, but never actually saying anything. Yes. If that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Like, yeah. I like to call it church speak or yeah. church, church ease. And so I was on the phone with him for a good 45 minutes and I'm upset and I'm crying and I'm not getting any answers. Like... And- Prior to this, just to take a step back, like, was mm-hmm. there ever, like, after this guy was fired, did someone come and speak to the worship leader? I'm just thinking, like, at work when people get let go, they're always like, hey, so-and-so is no longer working here. If you have any questions, come here. Or they kind of say something, even if it's just, like, placating. Like, did they do that? Or you heard about the firing, like, through the grapevine and you had to seek out your own answers? We got an email. Oh, great. So personal. <laughs> We got an email and we had to seek out the information on our own. So anyway, the so phone conversation, the phone call, yeah. I'm on the phone call and I'm like, okay, he's clearly not going to give me any answer that is satisfactory. It was just like beating around the bush, beating around the bush, beating around the bush. And I was like, I'm not going to, I'm just getting off the phone. Um, so that was sort of the beginning of the end. Right. Um, so that was before the holidays. And I, then I start to notice that I'm not being scheduled as much. So I had to a lead cons- songs on Sundays you're talking about. Yeah. For leading, for leading songs on Sunday mornings, um, I'm suddenly not on the schedule anymore. And so I email and I'm like, uh, this was my former schedule. And I know that the guy who was making the schedule before, uh, isn't doing it anymore, but this was my former schedule. What's why, why is that? now changing and they were like oh it's the holidays we're moving into the holiday season as you can imagine Christmas and Christmas music and planning all of that like it's it's we're we're all just trying to you know get through the holidays just bear with us which I thought was fair you know like the they've got to like figure out how to do the schedule they've got to put the Christmas program together yeah, it's a and big so production I was, that they're putting on every week they've got a production yeah exactly and so I was just kind of like all right, give them a little bit of a grace period. That's fine. Um, but then we get into the new year and nothing really changes. So I reach out again and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) um, why am I not 
why am I not on the, on the schedule? And, um, they're like, Oh, we're still working it out. Thank you for being patient with us. Like we're going to, we're going to get it together. It's nothing personal. Right. And they made Mm. sure to, they made sure to say that we're not, you know, singling you out. It's nothing personal. We're just, we're still working out the kinks. Um, so they do eventually put me on the schedule, uh, and it's for, uh, background vocals. I think like, I can't remember the specific details, but it's in a satellite location. It wasn't in Wilmington. And so at this point, like I haven't been scheduled at my home church, which is the Wilmington location in three months. Wow. Long time. Way too long. Yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a long time. And so I wrote to him again and I was like, okay, it's been three months. Like what's really going on here? And can you give us a sense like before this ordeal happened, like how often were you getting scheduled that this was? Um, Twice twice a month. Okay. So this is like a pretty significant change. This is a pretty significant change. Yeah. I was getting, I was scheduled usually twice a month, once in Wilmington and once at a satellite location. Um, so for that to pretty much disappear was like, it was like a big deal. So, um, I write to him again and I declined the background vocal position. Yes, girl. And get up for yourself. <laughs> it was the first time I had ever declined in three years. It was the first time I ever said no. And the reason I said no is because you guys know, I, me- I think I mentioned it the last time I was here. I ride horses. That's my hobby. That's my mm-hmm. sport. That's what I love. And there was going to be a riding clinic that Sunday with, um, a professional riding trainer that somebody was bringing in from out of town. And I really wanted to take this clinic. I really wanted to learn from this trainer. And so I wrote to him and I was like, I'm going to decline this, um, background vocal position because I really want to take this riding clinic on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And a background vocal position is not absolutely necessary. Y'all can absolutely run Sunday services without background yeah. vocals or put someone else um, in a substitute or whatever. Right. Right. And so <laughs> I declined and I, and then I put a tagline and by the way, this is now three months that I've not been scared. Like what, yeah, what TikTok. I'm starting to get irritated and I'm starting to like show it, Yeah, you know? And so then I get called in for a meeting and I, it did not, it did not go well. It was all about like, you know, we think that, who was I at can't the even meeting? Like, I, I can't even talk. Well, the first meeting was just with the pastor of worship because they hadn't hired this new person yet. Mm. Okay. So the, the pastor pulls me into the office, which was odd because you're not supposed to meet alone, mm. right? Like men and women are not supposed to have meetings yeah. by themselves. True, true. Right? Like that's a big, it's a big no-no. But I had this meeting and he was like, he was basically like, you know, we think background vocals are important. It's just as necessary as, um, the, the lead vocals and, you know, you need to just put yourself into this position of, you know, praying for the leaders. And it's so like your, your position is just as important as anybody else's. And like, he was basically like reprimanding me and like, telling me that he was like concerned that I was basically insinuating that that you are a bad Christian for daring to not want to do background vocals. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I don't mean to editorialize your story, but (laughs) I'm starting to get heated now for you. Yeah, exactly. Because this is what happened. So 
I leave that I me I left that that room and I was so upset. I was like shaking. So I called my previous music director who had been fired 3 months earlier and I am crying no. and I am shaking and um I'll just say his name because I don't think he'll care. But um I was like Dave, I am so fucking pissed. You know, I'm just like yeah. letting it out on on Dave. And that was one of the things that I really liked about him is I always felt like I could just be myself and just say what I wanted to say. And he was so good at like calming me down and like, it's going to be okay. Like stick with it. You know, nobody knows the ins and outs of that church better than I do. And at this <laughs> you know, point too, inside. at this point, had you thought like, it seems like you've gone through so much both work and you had been there for so long, but it seems like at this point you've had a lot of turmoil. Like, was there a thought in your mind at this point of resigning and leaving yourself? Oh, what yeah. What was your thought process behind Yeah, staying? I definitely wanted to just walk away. But the thing was, is like, I, I genuinely did love it when I got. Oh, honey. And you were getting that spiritual sustenance that is so right. hard that was such a and big so part of rare your life. to find. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people can relate to that. And so I didn't, I didn't want to walk away. And I wanted to believe that it was going to get better because they kept telling me it would. Um, so anyway, they um, end up hiring this new person to fill the music director role. And I knew of this person, but I did not know him personally. Uh I'd only had maybe one or two, maybe three very brief interactions with this person before he got this job. And um, he, you know, knew that I was upset about Dave getting fired. And he knew that um, I was upset that I hadn't been scheduled. So then I get pulled into a meeting with him and the uh the uh, pastor of worship. So now I'm having a meeting with new guys. I'll refer to him and the pastor of worship and this new person who doesn't really know me at all, um, proceeds to tell me that he feels I am very distrustful of him. Um, and that, you know, they need some to wild do some, accusations. Yeah, they need mm -hmm. to be distrust. I'm very distrustful of him and um, that uh, they need to reorganize and they are taking away my uh, worship leader title and I'm strictly background vocals from here on out. And were you the and only one that was kind of singled out or were there others going through the same experience at, this, at the time? At this point, I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea if I was the only one. I, if I'd had no idea. So um, I was very, very upset. Uh, they were like, you know, we know that you don't feel comfortable speaking to the congregation. And that was something that I did say. I was like, I don't feel comfortable talking yet. It's difficult for me. Um I feel very comfortable singing. I feel very comfortable leading, but in terms of like speaking to the congregation, that's not something I feel strong about. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to put you in this background vocal position and we're going to like coach you up. 
right? We're going to like mentor you into the type of worship leader that we want you to be. Even though you'd already been a worship Even leader for multiple years. Even though I'd already been a worship yeah. leader for like almost three years. So I was very, very, very upset. And why would that- you lead the conversation being like, oh, trust me, person that I've already said, I know you distrust me. Like, that's weird. Sorry. <laughs> I don't just right, right, very right, bizarre. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I left that, I left that meeting. I was, I was very upset. I was very hurt. I was very angry. I was very frustrated. I felt like nobody was listening to, listening to me. I felt like nobody, um, cared that I'd already been on the team for three years. I just, you know, slowly, but surely was getting edged out. So anyway, um, I've come kind of at my breaking point at this point and Maddie to, to circle back to what you said, like, was, were you the only one that this was happening to? In my frustration, I reached out to somebody um, who I thought was on the team at that time. I didn't know that she had stepped down. And I, I texted her and I said, hey, is this happening to you? Because this is what's happening to me. Yeah. And I am so upset about it. And I just want to know, like, am I being singled out? Because what the heck is going on? I'm so confused. And so, I mean... I, I vented to her basically. Yeah. And someone I, you thought was a friend and you trusted. Someone who I thought was a friend, someone who I thought I could trust, somebody who I thought was going through the same thing that I was going through. And that is the infamous text conversation that ultimately got me kicked off of the team. Um, I sent it to you guys. I've showed it to everybody because mm-hmm. I don't feel that the text message conversation that I had with this girl um, was super inflammatory. No, I, it was no, very normal. It wasn't. Yeah. It was just like, hey, what's going on? And then you like were both supportive of each other and Exactly. There was exactly. definitely some venting, but nothing I would say that was like aggressive in any way or like really it, harsh at all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, this this person, uh, I don't know what who she showed it to, but she took this text message conversation and she shared it with someone behind my back. And yeah, so then I get pulled into yet another meeting and I'm just like so sick of getting pulled into meetings. Yeah. At this point. Like, every- like, <laughs> you don't have time for this. Like you have a business yeah. and kids and a husband. I think like- it's a good point too, that like going back to the like community versus spiritual aspect, it's like, yes, this is a community and it's a high production value thing. And there are people who are getting paid and this is their job. But at the same time, this is supposed to be a community of people who support each other, who are supposed to be on the same spiritual mission. And I feel like the last 20 minutes of this story has not demonstrated any of that. You know what I mean? Like, Uh -uh. regardless of, okay, sure, someone comes in, this is their job, maybe they have a different vision, whatever, there are ways to handle that, which I think anyone that's an adult can think about that on their own. I don't need to illustrate them. But the way that these people were acting towards you was, A, unprofessional for people that are paid to do this and B does not feed the spiritual side of that supposedly why you're all there. So just wanted to point that out from my perspective, listening to it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I, I go to this meeting and it's the new guy and, um, one of their, uh, head female worship leaders. Um, and, um, they, explain to me that the text mess, they saw the text message, it had been shared with them and that the language in the message revealed that I was 
filled with bitterness, <laughs> vengeful, and my personal favorite, slanderous. Oh my goodness. This is some sort of like witch hunt to find out who's the best Christian. Like, yeah. Right. And, um, and then he uh, concluded with, uh, and I can't have that on my team. Oh, excuse me. Find yourself a team with all people that have never said anything bad. Give me a fucking break. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like, and so it was, Yeah, and it was just... Re- it was... Um, it was unbelievable. It was, it was, it was shocking to mm. have somebody who doesn't know me at all, at all, to take a freaking text message conversation yeah. and decipher. Completely out of context. Make, well, completely out of context and make all of these really, really harsh um, judgments about my character. And yeah. I'm like, you well, don't even know me. <laughs> yeah, and it is it is the literal definition of unchristian. If you go to the text in the gospel, it's Jesus time and time again you know, let's say even if you were those things, which you clearly are not because you are amazing, <laughs> but like even if you were a true Christian would want to counsel you through those feelings and would want or to keep you there and you would regardless. still include you. Yeah, and would accept you regardless of that. So like they yeah. wouldn't say that ridiculous bushy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um it was it was awful. And so um now it was funny. I always joke like they they like to they like to say that I was filled with bitterness, but I'm like, well, I wasn't before, but I sure <laughs> shit am now. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I was like, oh my god, like I I just I cannot I cannot sit back and just like let them attack my character in this way. I will not. I will not just go quietly into the wind. And so I demanded a meeting with the head pastor. This is the man who married you this and your husband. This is the man yeah. who married Jason. Bring it I full circle. Because I, yes, thank you. So I, I, I'm, was one hundred percent sure that this head pastor had no idea what was going on in the mm-hmm. worship team. Like that's not something that he's in charge of. That's not something that he would even be privy to, right? Like, yeah, we, they were self governed. And so I knew that he had no idea what was going on. And so I was like, I, I cannot, I will not, I will not sit by and let this happen. I want a meeting. So he's like a super busy dude, right? It takes a while to get a meeting with him. And, um, it, so several weeks later it gets, it gets put on the schedule and, uh, a day or two before the first meeting was supposed to happen, I get an email from his secretary saying, um, he has to be at the opening of a coffee shop. Does oh, he God. absolutely have to be at this meeting? Can you guys do it without him? And you're like, a no. No. And no, absolutely <laughs> not. And then, so that's like even setting my And again, my it goes back, like, what's more important to you, more. being a person in the community and this stupid <laughs> coffee shop or one of your parishioners who's struggling? Like... Are you serious? Exactly. I don't get it. Are you serious right now? So I'm 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 really upset that like you know me. You married my husband and I. I've been coming to this church since I was in high school and you would rather be at the opening of a coffee shop? Yeah. Like Yeah. It's a it's a one I feel like the story <laughs> yeah. it's like Aww. one after another just a show of 
and it's of course my heart goes out to you like it's so painful that you had to experience this and I'm super grateful that you're sharing it and I know all of our listeners will get so much out of this and I'm sure there's so many people that have had similar experiences both in organized religion and just in general in the workplace a lot of this stuff but again it's just like one after another just another example of a poor show of character on their part and there were so many instances where they could have made it right for you and they didn't and that's just such a shitty realization to feel in a place of worship especially I think yeah yeah it just breaks my heart to like and I just want our listeners to know this has been over a year since this happened (laughs) and And Emily is still suffer no it's no well religion is so personal and this was such a big part of your life yeah you sh- I mean it's it's very telling I mean I'm just so sorry that you're suffering yeah um so um thank you <laughs> um, but, we um, love you Emily <laughs> um so anyway I was like no I'll reschedule <laughs> I'll wait but and he needs to be there so then we have the big meeting and going back to what I said earlier, like religious people are really good at talking a lot and not saying anything. That meeting with all of us in there and my husband came too. Um, I really don't remember a whole lot of what he said. And he talked a long time. (laughs) (laughs) He really, I mean, he really dominated that meeting and I really don't remember very much of what he said, but there was no, there was no resolution. There was no resolution. Um, Okay. What, what I will say I do remember is towards the end of the meeting, um, he did say, he was like, Emily, what needs to happen for you in order for this relationship to start healing? Um, and I said, I need an apology. Yeah. And I didn't get one. Yeah. That's basically the bottom line is I didn't get one. Uh, what I got instead, and this is this is a real pet peeve of mine, and I, I really want to take the time to use this platform to, yeah. to talk about it. Yes, is girl. I was told that I was being held accountable. Or what? Okay. <laughs> this is a phrase that is used within the Christian world that is, like, the worst, and I cannot stand it. Holding someone accountable absolutely 100% has to be done within the context of a loving, trusted relationship. Agreed. You do not get to go to a complete stranger who you do not know and lay the hammer on them and judge them and do it in the name of I'm holding you accountable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. that's judgment. That's you being critical. That is you being judgy. That is not holding someone accountable. Holding someone accountable is your mom, your best friend, your spouse coming to you and saying, I love you. And I know your heart and I know your character and the things that you're doing right now aren't who you are. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what holding someone accountable is. And so I just, it just, i just, cannot stand it when people use that phrase as a way of making them making themselves feel better about judging people harshly oh i'm not judging them harshly i'm holding them accountable no you're not no you're not 100 percent. you're okay so that's what i got instead of an apology no not acceptable (laughs) good for you though for answering that i think it's a sucks that it didn't work out in the end but it's good that he asked that question I think it's a good question and I think it's good that 
you knew the answer to that question of truly what would have made it better and then not kowtowing when you didn't get it like you held firm to that value and I think a lot of people crumble under that kind of pressure so I think that's a testament to your strength of character as well (laughs) so So we left that meeting and the head pastor was like if you choose not to continue coming to this church I will respect your decision but I was like what decision do I have like you just kicked me off the worship team I'm not going to continue to come to church here (laughs) yeah and also that's like that's not what he should have said. He should have said, even if, say, you weren't going to continue on the worship team, it should have been, even though the worship team is not the right fit for you, I really still hope to see you in these other capacities. Like, the fact that he was like, yeah, like if try you choose not to, to come, that's fine. You yeah. know, like, that's unacceptable. And it's the same way. Like, this is a real psychological thing. I can't – I was talking to someone about this in the workplace of why um, – like companies when they're going through downsizing will choose to let people go as opposed to demoting people and you know whether it's justified or not you know having something that you previously had a responsibility that you previously had in some sort of professional or quasi-professional environment once that's taken away people don't feel comfortable staying in any capacity whether it's in the workplace or in your situation as well so they're really fighting against human psychology if they thought you were going to stay. So since you've left the church, what has your spiritual journey been? um, And where do you stand now? Um, Well, I went into, I went into a pretty deep depression after that happened. Um, And it really sucked because it was like right before Easter and mm. I hadn't not been to church on Easter in a really long time and I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, and I really haven't been back to church since. Um, but I, like I said, I was, I wasn't just raised, raised in a religious household. I was raised in a spiritual household. So I still, I still pray every day. I still journal. I still do devotionals. I still um, listen to podcasts, you know, um, from pastors who I enjoy. And so I find I find ways to stay connected to God. I find ways, you know, to to, to stay in my Bible and to um, stay connected. I just don't want to do it within the church, like the organized. Mm-hmm. church. I um, have been to church a handful of times. I think I've been four times in um, the last year since this has happened. <sighs> and every time I just feel icky about it. Yeah. I just feel icky about it. And so like, I think that this is what is so damaging about and maybe it's not just mega churches maybe it's just all organized religion but i want to i want to say like i want to speak to mega churches in particular is that the way that i felt when i was kicked off of the team and you know ultimately 
I'm not going to go back there. Right. So mm-hmm. it did, it definitely felt like I was kicked out of the church, not just kicked off of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, it de- you know, You lost your spiritual home in a way. That's bigger than just losing a job or losing a volunteer position. Right. And it's like, you don't, because it was such a big organization, it very much felt like nobody cared. Nobody, nobody cared that I was being left behind. And Mm -hmm. I was being pushed out because it's so huge, right? Like that we have too many female worship leaders who cares if one leaves, like that's one less we have to worry about to begin with. Um, Even uttering that sentence, there are too many female worship leaders is asinine. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so like one of the the correlations that I wanted to make to Terrence's story and, and why I wanted to reach out to Shay um, about it is, the thing about Terrence's story that hit me so hard and had me crying in my car was... Sorry. <laughs> I know. Um, if you remember the part of his story where he finally got to the person who had the documentation that he had to sign mm-hmm. to like officially leave the church. And he was like, I was, I was finally signing the documents that I had been desperately trying to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. And he looked up and the man was crying. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like in his story, at least they wanted him to stay. Yeah. You know, at least there was like this feeling of loss Mm -hmm. that this man was demonstrating when he left the church. Like I didn't get any of that. Yeah. Nobody gave a shit. (laughs) Yeah. No one reached out to you after being like, hey. Nope. Like that's terrible. That's the worst part, I feel. Yeah. All the worst parts that's, of this story. Yeah. And it just reaffirmed that, like, I, I, my, it just reaffirmed what I had always thought. Like, I was always on the outside. I was never in the in crowd. I was never going to be a part of this community. I never fit in. And, oh, gosh, now we have this text message conversation. We finally have an excuse to get rid of her. Yeah. yeah. And I think you mentioned, too, in your email that you felt that this whole thing really brought to light a lot of the inequalities for women in the in this church as well. Um, yeah, that's oh, I feel like that's a whole nother podcast. Well, we don't have to get into all yeah, of that, no, but I think yeah, it's important it, to note. I think it is important to note because a lot of these mega churches say they're non-denominational, but they're like non-denominate. They're like it's in disguise, right? Yeah. So this particular church that I'm talking about is absolutely a Baptist church in disguise. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. So, you know, um, they, they say we're welcoming We're we we're so welcoming. Everybody come in. Their mission is to reach people and help them walk with God, right? Let's like, that's their big thing. They say it all the time, reach people and help them walk with God. So let's say that you're a gay person and you're like, this church is awesome. They're non-denominational and I get the coffee and like the worship team is awesome. And like, everything is so great. And I'm really connecting with this pastor and his teaching and it's helping me, you know, in my relationships and it's helping me in my life and all. And then you want to get connected, right? You want to get into a small group or you want to get married. You're not getting married here. 
Yeah. You're not getting a, a leadership role of any kind here. Right. So it's wow. like they suck you in and you could be coming and attending this church for years, never really knowing their stance on being gay and yeah. getting married until you want to get involved. And then all of a sudden it's a problem Yeah, that they never like fully disclose. It's like a false um, sense of belonging and community and just to get more yeah. people in the doors kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. And like with the with the whole women thing, like it was always it was always very sneaky, you know, like it never was like very like in your face, but stupid stuff like there would usually be two female worship leaders, one male worship leader. Right. Mm -hmm. The male worship leader always got two songs and only one female got one. Yeah. Right. Like it's always led by the men. And like the only time, uh, the only time I ever saw two females up there leading, it was myself and another, another girl. It was because one of the dudes in the band was getting married and nobody else was available. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we'll just put the two ladies up there. Um, women. I've never seen a woman pastor preach on a Sunday at that church. Wow. Um, they're always like special women's conferences that meet on Friday or Saturday, mm. but like never on front and center yeah. on a Sunday, yeah. you know, like it's never, um, I don't know what the current, you know, board of directors looks like, uh, at that church, but I wouldn't be surprised for a second if, if that it's, it's a bunch of white dudes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, so ins it's insidious because, you know, Shay and I are coming from a Catholic background and it's yeah. very in your face. You know, there's no there's no beating around the bush. There's no there. questions. Yeah, uh, no questions. <laughs> Everyone knows their place. But I think what's so appealing to bring it back to the millennial conversation of these mega churches is that they do have the guise of being very accepting and they do have the guise of yeah. everyone has mm -hmm. a place here. And their mottos say that. And you're like, oh, well, if the, this church has so many members, certainly there's someone that looks like me. And maybe there is, but they're never going yeah. to be part of the leadership, being part of the people that make these conversations. And it does impact the whole congregation, not just the leadership. Right. And I, I hate, I, I kick myself now. Like, I'm so, I'm, I know I'm like been crying a lot throughout this, this no, interview, but I actually great. am glad that this that this happened because I don't agree with that stuff. I don't agree yeah. with it. And I never did. And I always just like turned a blind eye because I loved, I just loved leading worship. And I was just like, it's okay. Like I, I really like the teaching and I really love singing and, and leading the congregation and song. So like, it's fine. Like it's fine. And now having had the experience that I've had and it just, it just makes you more sure of what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. And I'm like Shay said, like I'm at a place now where if I was to really seek out a church, like it's going to have to check a lot of boxes. Yeah. And I, yeah. Just don't, I just don't know if that exists in North Carolina. Yeah. It's well, tough. yeah. But you'd be surprised that I think there are, I think that there is an appetite for this kind of thing. People that want that smaller community of people that are truly in the sense of what I think you were talking about, Emily, true accountability and not yeah. just this prescribed 
I'm the leader. I know the teachings of Jesus the best. Mm-hmm. And therefore I'm going to hold everyone accountable. Like, I think there is an appetite for that. And, you know, I think these mega churches are trendy and they obviously have a lot of resources and they advertise and people know about them. But I think I, I would hope that there might be something for people. Yeah. I was want reading in an article today in Vox that was very interesting about this Christian publishing company um, called Alabaster that's doing these very beautiful editions of the Bible and the Gospels, et cetera. But their goal as a company, they said there is this real trend that they've seen in all their market research of people not wanting to be within the church, but wanting to gather, you know, four, five, six people together and have a guided worship. Um, And it's happening not just within the Christian community, but also it's very um, prevalent in the Orthodox Jew community. So it's kind of this thing that's spreading, um, but it's very popular among millennials. So um, I think that's definitely an interesting an interesting yeah, note. So you could create your own community. Maybe yeah. that's your next step. I know. I and I I have I have thought about it. I have. I am. Um, I don't know what the next step is, but I I just wanted to say, uh, you know, my husband Jason. Uh, it's really interesting. He's in a men's small group, mm-hmm. uh, Bible study, and they're all paramedics. Hmm. Wow. And he really enjoys that because his job has some very specific challenges that he doesn't always feel like in other settings that he can talk about because nobody else is going to understand. Right. Or you don't want to burden people with what you've seen, with what you've seen and what you have to deal with and what you have to take home. Um, and so like kind of speaking back to what you were saying, like everybody's just trying to find community. Like I, I, I see that with my husband, you know, he's like, I'm, he found a community where he can feel like he can talk about, God and he can he can talk about his job and he can be honest and we, he doesn't go to church on Sunday he only goes to this little small men's group mm-hmm. and they eat Oreos and they talk <laughs> as <laughs> one loves great. you I would yeah, yeah. sounds like fun time um all right Emily this has been so amazing do you have any kind of last or Maddie do you have any final questions for no, Emily yeah. before the only we... thing I was gonna say similarly to wrap up like if there's any last pieces you know you you want people to know about your story or maybe women that are in a similar position who are maybe questioning their own religious communities or have had similar patriarchal experiences or experiences within these churches if there's any advice or things like that of how you've kind of walked through it yourself um i would say trust your gut if you feel like something is off and you feel like something is wrong and wonky, speak up and don't wait as long as I did. Um, and know what you're willing, know, know who you are and know what you're willing to stand up for and, yeah. and, and do it. And I feel like that's where I, I messed up. I wasn't, I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't as strong then as I am now. And I wish that during that time period that I hadn't been so desperately seeking their approval. Mm -hmm. Like that's all I wanted. Like I cringe. I think about that, like one of those moments in one of those awful meetings and when they were 
I, I can't remember which one it was, but what, like, I'm pretty sure it was the one where they told me I wasn't a worship leader anymore. Your background vocals only. Mm-hmm. And I cringe when I think about what I said, but I said this and I was crying and I was so upset and I was like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. Oh. I just hate that I did that. I, like I was so desperate to be where yeah. they wanted me to be. And like, I wasn't listening to who I was. Yeah. So, you know, like, don't, don't wait, trust your gut, stand up for what you believe in and get out <laughs> <laughs> if, if you feel like it's, it's wrong. Yeah. Oh, Emily, thank you so much for sharing. I like, <laughs> I hate that you Sorry, are all I'm the like way crying. in Wilmington right now, because I want to give you a hug and pour you like the biggest glass of wine and just like <laughs> hang out with you until bedtime because oh man it's okay I'm I'm in therapy (laughs) it's It's um, an emotional story even listening to it um yeah it was pretty it was pretty traumatic and I'm still a year out of it and I'm still uh working through it but um you know I'll get there (laughs) well we are really honored that you came to share it with us and our listeners so thank Thank you. you thank you for having me is there anywhere, if there are maybe people that are struggling similarly to you, that you want to be found on the internet where people can reach out, or would you rather oh. remain in the shadows? <laughs> um, no, I am not in the shadows. You can absolutely find me. Um, I'm pretty. I'm pretty much an open book now. Anyway, this is the first time I've shared this story. Um, I would say go to my public profile. I have a private one, um, but my public one is uh, affiliated with my Pilates studio. So uh, if you go to Enjoy Movement Studio, that's Enjoy with an I, I I-N-J-O-Y, Movement Studio. Uh, That's my public one, and I operate that. And if you message me there, you will get me directly. Awesome. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again, Emily and campers. Thank you for joining us. Um, We will finish up this series with uh, Reverend Aaron uh, coming soon. All right. Bye, campers. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.